0: Pastor Ben here, continuing our study through the book of Joel. Today we'll be finishing up uh, the rest of the book, starting in verse 18 of chapter two and going through uh, the end of chapter three. We saw setting up last time, just uh, the picture of utter destruction. We saw it in the description of the locust. We just saw it in the description of the fire. We saw it in the description of the army of the Lord in the day of the Lord. And just seeing those things are not happening uh, for no reason. And those things are not happening outside of the power of God, but there's a response to the sinfulness of the people and what happens when uh, we choose to reject God. Today, as we finish out the rest of this uh, prophetic letter, we'll see uh, the flip side of that, not just the judgment, but also uh, the restoration and the, the redemption that uh, God offers to people. Um, and And really a beautiful picture of salvation, because we'll see even in this letter to uh, Israel, to Judah, that um, God's salvation is not just for them, but it is for all people. And so the the brightness of that hope, in contrast to the darkness that's also still there, uh, will hopefully help us uh, to continue to uh, want to repent and and turn to God in all things. So we saw uh, in the second half of chapter 2, Uh, that God gave the first call, return to me in verse 12, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. So in verse 18, when we pick up um, the idea that if the people were to do this, uh, we see then how God responds. So verse 18 says, then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, behold, I am sending to you grain wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. So in just a quick uh, picture here, well, we've seen such a, a uh, clear picture of the utter destruction last in the past chapter and a half, and now here in, in one phrase, we see a restoration. Grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, right? And that is a great place to be in. He goes on to say, I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land. So now uh, those uh, who are attacking, right, in the sense of the army, he is going to push away into those desolate places. His vanguard into the eastern sea and his rearguard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. And then verse 21, we see this phrase that comes up quite a few times in the Old Testament, um, fear not, right? This, this is a statement that is always coming with a reason behind it. It's not an empty phrase. You can never just say, oh, don't be afraid, but it's always don't be afraid because. And so the because here says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. And then again, verse 22, Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. So the land and the beasts, these things that have been uh, just wiped out, and we saw again earlier in chapter 2 just how they respond. God is comforting them. So if God is comforting the land and God is comforting the animals, how much greater then is the comfort that he will provide for his people? And we see in 23, be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. So Again, this idea of being restored. The, the land, the crops, everything that had been destroyed and was uh, taken away is now coming back. And we see a complete reversal in the next two verses. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. So once again, we see both sides of the coin are, are from God. The restoration comes from God. It was also the destruction that came from God. Right? There's nothing that's happening that's just happenstance, It's just random. Right? Everything it comes from God. And then the beautiful description of how this plays out. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never be put to shame. Again, just confirming God's truth, an existence, and also his true power in in all things. And then these famous verses uh, that we see uh, uh, pulled out in the New Testament uh, during Pentecost. Chapter 2, verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Uh, We see lots of accounts in the Old Testament of God's spirit coming down on certain people, Moses, Elijah, and some of the other prophets, uh, some of the kings. But we don't see the widespread uh, dumping of God's spirit until the New Testament. And Joel predicted it, which is uh, just really incredible to think about. Uh, And it would be incredible for the hearers at this time to think, Everyone has access to the Spirit of God. It's not just for the special people. It's not just the hero or the leader or the priest. But that uh, in that coming time, there would be an outpouring of God's Spirit available to all. And then we see this, this again, awesome and maybe scary uh, depiction of what the day of the Lord is going to look like. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth blood, and fire, and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Again, salvation is available to all. It is an act of god towards us, right? And uh, those who will respond to God's call will be saved, right? There's no question in verse 32, which is an incredible message, again, for the Israelites to hear there's going to be access to God for non-Israelites. And maybe they wouldn't have heard it quite so clearly given all of the things going on in this situation, but Certainly, we can hear that call clearly today. Um, it is such a, a uh, important aspect to understanding the salvation that is available. That repentance is available to all, and that God wants us to come. And then in chapter three, as we get into it, we see descriptions of uh, the coming judgment at the day, as well as the. A glorious future and the redemption coming from the day of the Lord. So again, we see this contrast, but um, the important marriage of the righteous judgment, but also the gracious salvation that's there. So chapter 3 says, For behold, in, the days, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat just means the Lord judges. We're not entirely sure where this location could be. Again, if we're thinking day of the Lord, it could be Armageddon. Um, But rather than getting caught up in, oh, is it exactly this place or that place? We have to remember what this scene is about is God's judgment. Because he says, I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. So all of the bad things that uh, have happened the 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 uh, different people groups and the way that they've treated God's people, uh, although God allowed those things, um, those things also are not just being left behind and uh, and not being punished. and so that's what we're seeing described here in these next verses. He says in verse 4, What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. All right, we don't really mess with God. Again, this is hearkening to the idea that there are many gods at the time, but what we know is there's only one true God. and And in this message, God is going to make that very clear to them. For you have taken, verse 5, you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a nation far away. For the Lord has spoken." And then we see in this last section of chapter 3, just a, again, powerful poetic picture of the day of the Lord coming. Verse 9, Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Essentially, No one's getting out of this, and the people who are involved have the power of God behind them. So even with uh, sort of simple and crude things, they're going to be able to use them as weapons to be uh, mighty warriors. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. Again, the the response of nature to God's glory and wrath is incredible. Verse 16, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake. Now, here's the contrast, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never pass through it, never again pass through it. Again, this this contrast of the nations that have rejected God and, and God's protection of his people. And... Uh, Again, knowing, yes, in this time, Israel is God's people, but that offer of salvation, that offer of refuge and stronghold is available to all who call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 18, continuing to describe the, the benefits of the glorious future that we have. And in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the streambreads of Judah shall flow with water. Again, contrast to the fire we saw just a bit ago. And a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall become a desolation and Edom a desolate wilderness for the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall be inhabited forever and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood, blood I have not avenged for the Lord dwells in Zion. And so the Lord, word of the Lord in Joel ends with a reminder that God, the true God, the one God, the only God, dwells in uh, the place where uh, his worship is is has been set up by his rules and by his statutes for the Jewish people. Again, there's no question for the nations about who is in charge and why. Uh, and so although this book seems to end on sort of a darker place, um, I hope that you've seen the just brightness in the, in the salvation. And again, knowing that, that God has to punish sin, but also offers out um, a way out, offers out, uh, as we know, Jesus, uh, in order that we could have his righteousness so that God doesn't see us as, a field that needs to be destroyed by locusts and burned by fire, but that we are brought into a sweet relationship with God, that uh, we get to be a part of His family. Um, and again, to all, let me read one more time. Verse 32, chapter 2. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. So, Whether you are facing dark times, whether you uh, feel like God has abandoned you or uh, never really gave you any chance to begin with, the opportunity to come to God is always open, no matter how dark the circumstances, no matter how difficult the things we face. We know that uh, God is not just hands off and in the background, but he is active and he is seeking us out and calling out to us. So let us respond to what God is calling.